Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Parkson. Right out front. Younger fit inside of the net. Is now in. Afternoon to you, TC Martin, Ballpark, VGK, Frank in the house. Our good friend Brian Blessing, who's just concluded here live at Sunset Station. We are here on this Friday, and a lot to do and a lot to talk about today. And of course, another exciting sports weekend. The Prignus Stakes. Yes, we will dive into that uh, with you today. Our good friend Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk, and also our fellow. Horse owner, our expert, he will join us a little bit later on as we break down the Preakness Stakes horse racing second jewel of the Triple Crown. Look forward to that. Plus, we've got NBA play-in tournament uh, that will start next week. We'll dive into that. Scott Spritzer will join us uh, as well. But uh, plenty to do, plenty to talk about. NFL and, of course, your Vegas Golden Knights. The playoff field is set. We will dive into all that. So, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, live at Sunset Station. Thanks our, to our good friend Chuck Esposito uh, making it happen here. Uh, our new Friday home uh, here for a while. And love Sunset Station. Great place to hang out. Food options. Entertainment, of course. Coming back uh, very, very uh, uh, shortly. And uh, like we said, our good friend Brian Blessing, who uh, does the show preceding us between uh, 12 and 2, always out here. And uh, appreciate everyone. All right. Ballpark Frank making the trip. What's going on, my man? It just kind of seems weird to be at Club Madrid without some football games or something going on <laughs> or without a concert or something here. So, you know, in the middle of the day like this, it's uh, not the usual vibe and the action that I'm used to out here. was over in the sports book watching some baseball and horse racing. There's definitely a vibe over there. A lot of horse players out here at Sunset Station as well. So yeah. saw a lot of people. You hear them cheering every race. So it's, uh, you know, exciting, and I'm sure it'll be just absolutely crazy tomorrow. I just wonder if they have any juice specials or anything for the uh, Triple Crown this year. Juice specials. Very good, my friend. I like where you're going with that, huh? A little, little cream, a little steroids? Yeah, maybe, you know. So, you know, I mean, you, you know, we recommend the RVD cream, but, uh, you know, but uh, you know, there, there's some other stuff that I guess works on horses, too. Might not be legal, but but apparently it works. <laughs> All right. Numbchuck uh, back in the studio and again uh, live at Sunset Station today. Uh, appreciate uh, being out here. All right. Uh the Colorado Avalanche, they take care of business, as we expected last night, as they defeat the uh, the LA Kings 5-1. This was a little bit of a game for a while, too, wasn't it? Until the second period came around, and then, then it was all she wrote. And then the Avalanche looked like the team they did two nights earlier. Well, the, uh, the LA goalie, uh, to his credit... Uh, was channeling his uh, Jonathan Quick from their Stanley Cup days in that first period. He was stopping everything. Uh, L.A. didn't have any opportunities, hardly at all. I think they had one shot on goal through the first 14 or 15 minutes of the period. But then towards the end, they got a breakaway, and they buried it, and they're down one to nothing. And you're like, okay, is this going to be something crazy going on? No reality struck back in the second period. Uh, five goals for the Avalanche. They coast to the easy victory. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, Bednar, the coach for the Avalanche, they had asked him, are you going to be playing Grubauer here? And he said, no, it's not Grubauer's spot. It's going to play the youngster because, of course, Dubnik is still out with uh, – COVID protocols, and they were like, well, you know, but I mean, this can clear the, you know, this can, you know, de- determine who's winning the president's trophy and, you know, home ice and all this and that. And he goes, no, Grubauer's not playing tonight. So he wasn't worried about that. And, uh, you know, it worked out for them. I just wonder what the media or somebody else would have said if maybe somehow the Avalanche would have lost that game. But like I said, they ended up, you know, coming through and, they dominated play, but I was just wondering for a little while there if maybe it was going to be a situation with just a hot goaltender. Yeah, and we talked about that yesterday, about you know not going with Grubauer. And going back, I mean, um, he, he played just a, a handful of games this year. In comparison to the Kings guy, did, I think he played one game 
uh, up until last night. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the, the Kings goaltender. I think he, uh, I think he played. Then he hadn't played for like six years or something like that. He's been in the minors. <laughs> then he came in. He did get a win against Anaheim, so he came in there. But uh, but yeah, it had definitely been a dry spell. But I mean, you know, the Kings. Why not give somebody else a look because they're working on their future and wondering what's going to happen there. But it, it could have been interesting if if they would have lost that President's Trophy by that game. And again, if you're looking at the standing and you look at everything, you're like, well, wait a second. Vegas still had one more win than the Avalanche did. So what? how does that – it goes by regulation win like we talked about. Vegas, for their 40 victories they had, which is incredible, 10 of those wins came in overtime or shootouts. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that's pretty wild and shows you how good they were in the extra frames. Colorado, they had only 39 wins. But 35 of them were regulation wins. So they actually won on the regulation win pretty handily, 35 to 30. So, But the Avalanche move on now, and they're big favorites over St. Louis. Vegas is not as big a favorite over Minnesota, but they certainly are favored. I still think that Vegas is in a really good spot right now just because I don't think Minnesota's been getting that great of goaltending mm-hmm. of late. Especially of late, right. Yeah, Cam Talbot hasn't played very well of late. He's had a sensational season, but I don't know if he's wearing down a little bit, if he's uh, tiring, if they figured out some stuff on film with him. But he's going to have to play better than he has this last uh, couple weeks of the regular season if Minnesota wants to pull the upset. That being said, I believe that Minnesota is 5-3 and three against Vegas in the regular season this year. So there's certainly uh, no doubt that they have the capability, the possibility, ability of pulling that upset. All right, playoffs begin on Sunday, T-Mobile Arena, 12 noon. NBC will have the coverage. We dive, you know, right into this. There's still regular season games still going on. Last night and as well as tonight too. You know that? Well, there has <laughs> to be because of the because up north, because right. in the Canadian division this year, because especially a team like Vancouver that got hit and missed so many games with COVID to finish off the season, uh there's going to be games there. So, they'll actually be starting the playoffs a little bit later up there. I'm still wondering and what's going to happen after these uh, first couple rounds of playoffs? What are they going to do? Are things going to be loose enough then that the Canadian division is not going to be a problem when it comes to the, the final four teams? Or is there going to be something there? Because they certainly can't have them come over the U.S. border and then sit out with quarantine or something. But it certainly looks like things are loosening up. In fact, uh, we were talking about it here before the show. You know, there is that mandate now that if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Looks like a lot of people are starting to take advantage of that. There's still a lot of people with masks as well. Um, but the thing that I find interesting is, you know, they throw in that caveat of if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But from what I've heard, no place is checking to see the validity of whether or not you've been vaccinated. So I guess we're doing it on the honor system. That's what I was thinking, yeah. I guess carry your card around with you, or like you said, you got the ingenious idea. Take a picture. Yeah, I got a picture of my card and, in my and, phone. And keep so it on your right phone, there. and there you go. And I have been vaccinated, so I'm not afraid of that. But, uh, but yeah, I have a feeling there's going to be some people that haven't been vaccinated that are still not going to wear a mask and just say, hey, you know, whatever. So it, it, it's kind of a weird, crazy time we live in. It's been that way for a while, and I don't see anything uh, changing that around uh, anytime soon. So going back to what you were talking about with the playoffs in Canada, they're still finishing up the regular season. The NHL said today that they want an answer on when Canada is going to open up because, as as you mentioned, the first two rounds are played you know, within the, the four realigned divisions. Then the final four teams will play, but currently you know, the U.S. teams – would be prohibited from playing games in Canada, meaning that the Canadian team that comes out of there would have to play all of their playoff games on the road, which is which means here in the United States. I, I don't know what's going on there. I, I've talked to people who live up in Canada. They're going as far to say that, hey, hey this is turned into a communist country up here. And, and they're very serious about this. I mean, not being able to do anything. I mean, that seems very, very you know, insane and elaborate to... To, to say, but well, the, but again, the, people exaggerate when I they know, make it sound like it's uh, we can't do anything. Yeah. Well, and again, if you own a business up there, obviously you've been hit very, very hard, and I I can see where you would feel that way because I know people that that live in Saskatchewan and up in Winnipeg that are going through some 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 tough times here like that. But you know, when you look at this this playoff situation in Canada, the NHL is saying, hey, you still haven't told us anything. We have to conduct. You know, our playoff format, we got to conduct our Stanley Cup finals here, 
And now you're saying, you know, maybe not until June the 1st that we're going to be able to open things up. I mean, that does put a cramp into this playoff format. It's already goofy enough that we're going with these, you know, this realignment, so to speak, and all that. And then Canada's playing Canada. And, you know, the teams of the United States are are playing here. Like you mentioned before, I mean, the West is just pure garbage outside of the, you know, the Golden Knights in, in Colorado and in Minnesota and throw St. Louis in there. But it seems that this thing is just still not determined. It's not going to be determined. So the NHL is pressing the, the people in Canada to, hey, make a decision so well, but, but they so can, we can make a decision. But they can press them all they want to. I, I don't think that the, the, the government in Canada, that their number one concern right now is, what is the NHL going to do? They're doing what they think is best for their citizens and their country in that, and they can give them a tentative answer. But if there's another outbreak or something changes, they can also change that. So what the NHL needs to do is they need to figure out and format what they're going to do right now. You know, I, I would I would assume that it's not going to be like the Toronto Raptors where, oh, like everything else, just send them down to Tampa Bay and let them play there. Who knows? Maybe the Lightning and whatever team from Canada will will meet each other in the in the playoffs there in the you know in the in the quarter in, or the semifinal rounds, and you know then it's home ice for each team or whatever. And and I'm being facetious when right, I say right. that because it's just kind of ridiculous. But yeah. but just because the NHL wants them to let them know what's going on, let's face it, they don't know what's going on. If it does completely open up by June 1st and there's no more quarantine that's required or anything else, I think they'll probably still be fine. But if on June 1st they go, Damn, we're still not opening up and we're going to make it July 1st, well, then there's a heap of trouble going on. Yeah. Then there's a lot of problems right now, and there's problems at this point here. But the NHL has kind of painted themselves in this corner by saying this stuff, by doing the Canadian division, they were doing the right thing for the regular season, but now that the playoffs are here, they've got to figure out what to do. I know there was talk about doing those Canadian playoffs, bringing the teams down here, putting them in a bubble situation in one city in the United States, and having them perform out of there. And basically just saying, look, we're sorry that none of you guys can play at home, but that's the way it is. These Canadian teams, the four teams, are going to play at whatever. Joe Louis Arena or in Buffalo or something. I mean, there's there's enough bad teams that are real close to the Canadian border that they could find an arena. Open arenas, right? But yeah. again, but Plenty. then their fans still couldn't come through and watch them from Canada or something because right. they can't cross the border. So I don't know what they're going to do. I think right now the NHL is really crossing their fingers and just hoping that everything works out. But Canada's moving to the beat of a different drum. Mm-hmm. They don't give a damn what the U.S. is doing. They don't care what the NHL is doing. They're doing the things the way they want to do it. But you're right. The NHL has painted themselves in, into this this situation. But, you know, again, it, this is a business. It's a, a multi-billion dollar business, and they have to watch out for that. And they, they do need some answers. And I know what you're saying. Canada doesn't care, but... You know, with, with the NHL, I mean, you have to care. You have to have a game plan. And right now, everything just seems to be tentative. Everything seems to be on hold. Well, we'll uh, we'll just worry about that. You know, after round number two. You know, round number three gets here. Okay, then we'll we'll address it. But yeah, you you have to look ahead. You have to plan. Well, the ahead. NHL does. Yeah. But, but again, Canada's yeah. main concern is not what's going on in the NHL. Their concern is how do we save our citizens from what they perceive is a very deadly virus that, they, that they've taken incredibly serious. Remember early on in the NHL season when none of the Canadian teams had any COVID outbreaks in that, and they were kind of thumbing their noses right. and going, see, we're doing it right up here, and you down in the United States, you screwed everything up, you know? And, and we don't do things as one unit here in the U.S. anyhow. It's all bound by state by state, and even then it's county by county in different cities and things like that. We talked about San Jose trying to having to play in Arizona and stuff. So, you know, even what's good in California isn't good in every county in California, and California is certainly way different than Texas or Florida or something. But in Canada, they do have kind of a unified front where they've been fighting this on. Well, now they're up against it because then it did hit, okay, maybe the U.S. had problems. Well, Canada had problems later. They were very serious problems. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know exactly what's going to happen uh, at that point, you know, when this first round of the playoffs happen, when the second round ha- when the second round happens. I know that they definitely need to have a game plan, and they need to know what they're going to do in the third round of the playoffs because that's when the Canadian teams are going to have to play somebody from the U.S. Mm-hmm. All right, bringing it back here from a Golden Knights perspective. So, again, like we said, number two seed, uh, Colorado wins the tiebreaker, even though they both end up – 
uh, with the same amount of points. Playoffs begin Sunday, T-Mobile Arena, against a Minnesota team, like you mentioned, who seems to, I want to say, has the Golden Knights number. I mean, these two teams have battled tough, but Minnesota did win the season series five games to three. And really, home ice really hasn't mattered too much in this series. As a, From the Golden Knights' perspective, they were 2-2 two and two against the Wild at T-Mobile. So throw everything out. Playoffs are here. If if I'm looking at Minnesota, I'm looking at what they've done lately, and they seriously got blasted by St. Louis. And they had a 3-0 lead in that game. They were yeah. winning 3-0 yeah. after the first period yeah. and gave up seven right. goals. Lose 7-3, to three, and then two nights earlier they lose 4 to nothing. So they've lost their last two games to the Blues, 7-3, to 4 to nothing. Uh, and even prior to that, they played a lot of close games. Five of their six games prior to those two games against St. Louis went to overtime. You know, went to overtime and went to shootouts. So, you know, this team, they haven't been playing great hockey. Uh, They haven't been playing dominating hockey for quite some time now. And the Golden Knights pretty much have been. uh, And and even though the Golden Knights have plenty of injuries, uh, this is going to be an interesting series here. And I know we talked about a lot. Everyone's been talking about, hey, you don't want to face Minnesota in that opening round. Well, it is what it is. They had a chance to get the President's Trophy, get the best overall record, have that number one seed, and face the fourth seed in St. Louis. But it goes back to that one game, that last home game at T-Mobile Arena, when I don't want to say you let your foot off the gas, but you you you, you lost 2-1 two, two, two to one to Colorado, and now you put yourself in this situation. Um, I don't know. Uh, not too many teams have taken season series against the Golden Knights. Minnesota's probably the only one that's taken a season series this year because we know against the bottom feeders, the Golden Knights have really dominated. But, yeah, the Wild have won five out of the eight games. Yeah, I know. They, I think I heard on the, when they were talking about it last night that they were the only team with a winning record. I think they were, what, four and four with Colorado, right? So, right. Four, so I four. mean, they, they were mm-hmm. right close with each other there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Minnesota has been a tough matchup. But, again, if you're a Golden Knight fan, it doesn't mean this guy is falling. It doesn't mean they can't beat him. The first three seasons, because everybody's like, well, they've they, they've had the Golden Knights number since since the Golden Knights entered the league. That's nice, but the Golden Knights teams and the Minnesota teams are completely different than years one, two, and even three. This is the year that counts. And I will look at, as you were just talking about there, recent form. And recently, Minnesota has not played that well. And even the games that they've won recently, they've kind of come from behind to win some of them. They've had two goal deficits or something. Well, if they're facing Marc-Andre Fleury, which is a goalie that I think they should be facing there, they're down by two. I don't think they're coming back from that. Maybe one game. It's possible. Even Robin Leonard's a very good goaltender. They they need to start playing like they did earlier in the season when they were playing really well and they were one of the better stories. They're still a really good story. They've had a good season up to this point, but now it's the playoffs. Everything's reset. You mentioned that Vegas has injuries, and certainly they do. Every team has injuries at this time. But how many injuries are they going to have when the playoff games actually start on Sunday? There was talk that some people thought Patrick already might have been back for that last game. Will he be ready Sunday? Looks like there's a good chance he might be. You know, uh, Ryan Reeves, I don't know exactly what Reeves' status is. I don't know if Reeves is playing even if his status is that he can play. Because Kolazar has played so well and other guys have done so well. They have a lot of depth on this team. I don't know what Pete DeBoer's plan going forward is. I know one luxury he's going to have. He doesn't have to worry about the salary cap anymore. (laughs) He's not going to be having people sit out and playing a game against Colorado, the other best team. It's kind of 1-1A, and in my opinion, in your division, where you're playing them and you're playing with 15 skaters, 10 forwards and 5 defensemen. You're going to have the full array of talent out there. Salary cap is out the window now. It's the playoffs. Who's ever available to play, who's ever healthy enough to play, you can put in the lineup and they play them. So I, that's a big advantage. And again, yeah, that game against Colorado, I certainly wouldn't say they took their foot off the gas. They dominated that game. Mm-hmm. Bednar, the Colorado coach, said afterwards, we didn't do anything we wanted to do. They outplayed us. They outshot us. They had the better scoring chances. Grubauer was sensational. And when Comfort got that goal, the game-winning goal, at the end of that game, towards the end of that game, it was a bad line change by the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, maybe that was a little wear and tear. Maybe it was from playing only 15 players that game. That's not going to happen in the playoffs. 
because they're not going to be short-manned like that. So I still think Vegas is in a pristine spot to move on. I would be, I'm not going to use the word shocked. I'll be surprised if they don't move on. I'll be surprised if it's not Vegas and Colorado in the final for the West. Mm. And quite honestly, I hope it is because they're the two best teams in the division. I'm a hockey fan. I'm not a Vegas Golden Knight fan. I am kind of still a Blackhawk fan because that's the team I grew up uh, loving when I was growing up in that. So, you know, it's one of the reasons I, okay, I'll come out to Sunset Station because I like Chuck Esposito and he's a Hawks fan too. So, you know, I'm cool with that. But I want to see the best teams and the best talent play. I hope everybody has everybody available and the best players in the world play in the playoffs. That's why I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't want Patcher ready sitting out. I don't want Grubauer. If Grubauer gets hurt, Colorado's in huge trouble right. as far as advancing. Yeah. By the way, I believe this is Colorado's second time where they've won the President's Trophy. The first time they got beat in the second round, the second time I think they won the Stanley Cup. So. Right. You know, we'll see what happens. But it's been a long time since they've done it as well. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to find out about the injury situation probably until Sunday's game as far as Pacioretty and Ryan Reeves. I don't see Pete DeBoer giving us a lot of information. No, no. It would be completely opposite of their MO that we've seen since this team's inception. All All right. And, of course, then the big question, again, here we go. Who's going to start in goal on Sundays? And Mark andre Fleury is a Robin Leonard. If we're going to go, you know, with the – Opening day or opening night starter in the season, it was Robin Leonard. And, of course, they went with a rotation. And uh, next man up is Robin Leonard. But, again, if you do the eye test, Marc-Andre Fleury has definitely been the best goalie, not on the Golden Knights roster, but you can even make the argument the best goaltender in the NHL. He should be in goal come Sunday at T-Mobile Arena. They've been the best tandem for the year. That's why they won the Jennings Award. Okay, but, but if we're comparing, but tandems Leonard are nice versus, in the regular season, or, right? And rotations are nice for baseball teams with their pitching staff because you can't pitch somebody every day. In hockey, you can play a goalie every game, especially with the breaks in between. If Mark Andre Fleury hasn't earned the starting job for this playoff, then there is nothing Mark Andre Fleury can do in Pete DeBoer's mind to earn the starting job for the playoffs, and that is not a knock against Robin Leonard. Marc-Andre Fleury has been absolutely sensational. And of late, although they've both been good, he's played better than Leonard has lately. And again, just the eye test is just simple. And no other NHL team is going to go in this postseason with a 1-1A and be secretive about who they're going to have in goal uh, to, to start these series. No one, except course, the Golden Knights. Of course, you are going to have those people out there going, yeah, but Minnesota's one of the few teams that Flowers got a losing record against. Yeah. I don't care what his record was against Minnesota when he was in Pittsburgh. He's not in Pittsburgh, yeah. and it's not the same team. It means nothing. It's nice for people to talk about. It means diddly squat. You are fired up today, aren't you? I just hate stupidity. Yeah, yeah. I see so much of it in the world. There's no, stu- there's no stupidity here at Sunset Station. I didn't no say stupidity. there was here. No, luckily hey, we're in a room of, you know, semi-intelligence yeah. or maybe even a little bit above that. There you go. But, but, yeah, but, you know, I watch too much news these days. You know, uh, the intelligence factor really goes up here uh, after the break. Marco D'Angelo in the house, our man. From the racing side. So you're saying the intelligence factor is picking up out of the gate. Out of the gate. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully we can go wire to wire here till 4 o'clock. That would be a lengthy race. I mean, that, w- that would be longer than some of those races in, in Ireland or England, and those steeplechase races if we're going, you know, another hour and a half here. Watch out for the closers, but that might be more in the Belmont because that's a longer, that, longer race. That is true. That is true. All right. We talk Preakness. We've got uh, NBA play-in tournament. We're going to hit on that today and a whole lot more. That's right. We are live here at at Sunset Station, the uh, house that Chuck Esposito built and Joe Sands. We'll give them both a little bit of love here. Live at Sunset Station. We come back. Marco D'Angelo joins us, and we talk Preakness. Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. Golden Pipes, he will be doing it on Sunday and Tuesday. Golden Knights have playoff game number one against the Minnesota Wild. 12 noon face-off. NBC will have the broadcast. And then game two will take place Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. So the NHL 
playoff schedule has been announced, even though we still got a couple of regular season games going on uh, in Canada uh, tonight and tomorrow. But anyway, we're ready to roll. The Golden Knights, the number two seed, will take on the Minnesota Wild best of seven series. So for the Golden Knights, uh, you know, tickets went on sale uh, yesterday, got uh, scooped up rather, rather quickly. So games one and two. Game number five and seven, if necessary, will be at the Fortress at T-Mobile Arena. Pricey, but not like Raider tickets. Nothing like that. Jeez. Yeah, we got, we got an update with that uh, as well, too. All right. So, second leg of Horse Racing's Triple Crown in finally the order that we're used to. Last year, I was so confused. When's the Derby? That's the, the first leg, second leg, third leg, who knows what. But, uh, you know, we had quite a entertaining Kentucky Derby two weeks ago at Churchill Downs, and our good friend Marco D'Angelo joins us again today. What is going on, my man? Oh, interesting week for sure leading up to this <laughs> one uh, as we had that news break on uh, Sunday morning with the you know, positive test right. on the Derby winner, mm-hmm. but uh, he's in the Derby. He's clean going in. We'll see if he's clean coming out. Uh, they tested both of Baffert's horses uh, before the race, uh, and uh, we'll see what's there. There will be no Bob Baffert, though, at Pimlico. Jimmy Barnes, the uh, second trainer, will be running the show, which is not uncommon for big stables because when they're racing all over the country, you can't be everywhere, mm-hmm. and so that's not going to hurt the situation as far as Jimmy Barnes. All but right. if one of those horses does win, Baffert still credited as the trainer of the horse? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, so uh, Marco, of course, joined us when we had our Kentucky Derby preview show two weeks ago. We called upon him again earlier this week when that news broke, like he talked about on Sunday, uh, or you know, Bob Baffert uh, being suspended by Churchill Downs, and now... Uh, over at Pimlico, where the Preakness is, is held, uh, they're going to honor that. However, Medina Spirit, his horse that he trained, that won the Kentucky Derby, allowed uh, in the Preakness Stakes. And it cracks me up, Marco, because they said, well, Medina Spirit, well, we're going to allow him to race. Don't want Baffert around whatsoever, but we're going to let Medina Spirit race, but we're putting these strict protocols. I'm not talking COVID protocols here. You know, these you know, testing of the steroids and this and that. I mean, talk about some immense pressure, you you know, on this horse, and uh, you know this this is a horse that, you know, I think that you could probably say he could be a little bit fatigued. What do you, what are your things? Even though mentally he didn't have to go through any of this, because if this was a regular situation with a human being and a normal athlete or a or a coach or that type of thing trickling into your locker room, it's a different thing. But but this is a horse. But then again, you got to wonder how does any horse come out of a derby, especially with the field, you know, of nineteen or twenty horses. Two weeks later, short turnaround, uh, can he duplicate this? Well, he can, but I don't think he will. And I'll explain when we break yeah. the race down. But what I will say to you is, Bob Baffert has had this happen before, as we obviously know. Uh, most recently, the big horse that he had that was the three-year-old filly last year, Gamine, tested positive and was disqualified uh, at Oaklawn Park. Later, he got it overturned. But the big thing was, when that horse came back and raced the next time, the question was, okay, now that the horse got tested positive, he's gonna have, she's going to have to run clean. Will she run as good? She ran maybe her best race that race after that. Now, the difference being is that horse raced off of a normal layoff. We're talking about the Preakness, and this is the only time that these horses may ever come back and race two weeks back. The Preakness is the only race that they do that with the short turnaround. Normally, thoroughbreds race four to five weeks in between starts. So if this horse did have some kind of pain problem that the medication was helping, will not have it, and will be coming back on two weeks— even though had a, if it had a painkiller that helped it in that race, they still had the stress of the race. That's going to be the question of how this horse responds to that and how he's going to respond to pressure. He's not going to be left alone on the front end this time like he was in the Kentucky Derby. You know, we look forward to the Triple Crown races, but it just does seem that this race is really being overshadowed by the Bob Baffert drama here, doesn't it? Well, it does because 
the second place horse from the Kentucky Derby elected not to come. Mm-hmm. If that horse, if Mandaloon would have showed up to race here, then we still would have had a, a big buzz because if Mandaloon would win this race and Medina Spirit would have gotten disqualified when the second test comes back, we would have a possibility for a triple crown. Here, we don't know that we have a, a possibility for a triple crown because Medina Spirit could win this race clean but be disqualified when the second uh, test is completed. One, one other side, weird sidebar, too, to that is that um, even if Medina Spirit doesn't win, Bob Baffert could still win the triple crown because he's got a second horse in here. And, of course, we know that he's going to fire some shots in the Belmont, or at least we, we assume. And some people actually think that Concert Tour is a better horse than Medina Spirit. I'm one of them, and that's when we break it down. I will <laughs> explain that, yes. Uh, I think that is the horse to beat in this race. Preakness Stakes tomorrow afternoon. Looking forward to this at Pimlico, second leg of horse racing's uh, Triple Crown. We go back to the Derby. Talk about Medina's uh, spirit winning, and there's Mandaloon, who's not racing you know, tomorrow. But again, you know, his owners and trainers sitting there, well, hey, is there still a shot that we can win this or be declared the winner of the Kentucky Derby? This happened 13 days ago, and we talked to you Monday, and still no decision. Here we are sitting here nearly two weeks from that last race, and no official word whether that Medina Spirit's victory is going to stand or get taken down. What is the latest? Yeah, the situation would be you would think somehow they would have expedited this process to have it going in a bit. I just, maybe they don't want to know the result before the Preakness because if it did happen, let's say they got the result back and the horse is disqualified and Mandaloon's not in the race, this race loses all of its luster because then there is no chance for a triple crown where now there still is a chance. So... We'll probably find out Sunday or Monday the result after this race is over. Do, do you think the, the the race has lost its luster, though, already? I, I don't think it's lost its luster. In a strange kind of way, to a novice player out there, I think it's maybe gained some because of the espionage and the drama that is going on. I mean, imagine this. Espionage. If, I like that. If, That's if, good. If Medina Spirit wins tomorrow, Medina Spirit will have won the, two, the first two legs of the Triple Crown. Then you think, okay, we got a chance for a Triple Crown this year. What if in between the Preakness and the Belmont it comes down that Medina Spirit is disqualified? You, you could lose the Triple Crown or a chance at it by then getting the disqualification. And does it put even more pressure on with Baffert's clout and how he's gotten away with it so much before? Are they, are they really going to take down a horse that's won the first two legs of the Triple Crown? I think if Medina Spirit wins, it's even more unlikely that it gets taken down. It shouldn't be that way, but could you imagine the ruckus it would be? Okay, well, we know Medina Spirit crossed the finish line in both the first two legs of the Triple Crown, eh, but he still didn't win the uh, the first one. Frank used espionage and ruckus in the same sentence. I love it. Uh, he's being creative today. He's fired up. <laughs> it's all that Coke he's drinking. <laughs> oh, th- this is just a daily dose, my friend. <laughs> Uh, only three horses ran in the Derby that are in this Preakness Stakes. Only a field of ten, which personally I like. I know we've talked about this before. You know, I know Frank likes the the big fields. Feels like there's drama. And you I know, like the big field for the Derby. Yeah. And the other ones, I don't mind it if there's not as much. But I think yeah. the Derby. I want to see as many horses in the Derby and mm. as much chaos and that kind of stuff as can happen because I love the drama of it and see. Who can best all the obstacles that it takes to win the Kentucky Derby? You love chaos. Let's just leave it at that. Let's, 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 yes. let's be sure. Yes, I'm not Maxwell Smart. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the three horses, obviously Medina Spirit returns, Midnight Bourbon, who finished sixth, and uh, Keep Me in Mind, who really was never in that race. Talk about these three horses, Marco. All right. Well, we've talked about Medina Spirit right. at length in the reason that the horse won the Kentucky Derby, in my opinion, got the clean trip, broke from the gate, got to the lead, was never pressured on the lead. And horses like that, that are front-running horses, when they're left alone, they get brave on the front end like that. And they weren't beating him. Now, the second horse, Midnight Bourbon, that horse was taken out at the start. When the race started, that horse broke from the gate, got slammed into, and ended up... Uh, getting away 11th. If you look at this horse, has eight career starts. In the other seven starts, the horse was never worse than third at the first call. And 
a 20-horse field and you're sitting 11th and then you've got to go wide trip, that just put a line completely through Midnight Bourbon's last race. And Midnight Bourbon and Rock Your World both in that situation, yeah. and that's why Medina Spirit got out to that lead and why a lot of people, myself included, yeah. thinks he kind of stole the race because they thought he'd come back to the field because that's not where he was used to running. Absolutely, and uh, Rock Your World was a horse that I loved in the the Kentucky Derby, and and I was done out of the gate. Now, the other horse, keep me in mind, broke last from the gate. This horse breaks last from the gate every single time. Whatever it is, just cannot get out of the gate, but he's a stone-cold closer, comes from behind. He did, finishing seventh in the Derby, he navigated through a lot of horses to get to seventh. Um... Is it going to be at the back of the pack in this race? Yes. It's a shorter distance. So in theory, you would think, well, that's harder to make up the ground in the shorter distance. Yes and no. If this race goes fast on the front end, which it's going to be much faster pace than we saw in the Derby, because there's going to be three horses involved on the lead in this one, in my opinion, keep me in mind, will have a chance with his closing kick to hit the trifecta or the exacta. And because it's only a 10-horse field, he's only got to pass nine horses, not 18 horses that he had to pass in in the derby. So uh, keep me in mind, keep him on the bottoms of your tickets. Don't let you don't let him run you over at the window finishing on the back end of a try so keep me keep me in mind keep him in mind keep him in mind there you go and and also nice to note too that unlike churchill downs the exotics mean more this time because you can get the big balloon payout you absolutely can and i think when we talked about you said is this race have the same luster that it had before it does because some people want to tune in just to see because of the story what is Medina Spirit going to do? And then there's going to be casual bettors that are going to bet against Medina Spirit because they don't like Bob Baffert. They want to root against them. So it's going to affect the odds board. I think we're going to get a pretty competitive board between Medina Spirit, Concert Tour, and Midnight Bourbon will take some money as well. So are you saying that some of the public wants Baffert to get creamed? Yes. <laughs> Probably a lot. <laughs> Nobody likes when somebody wins all the time. <laughs> Well, it was better getting injected or, or, or creamed. I guess well, everyone should get injected, though, right now. So that'd be okay, right? Well, they should take a shot. They should. Exactly. <laughs> That's what people are betting on Medina Spirit. That's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be taking a shot, man. It was funny, too, when you said that Medina Spirit has to go through protocol but not, you know, COVID, COVID protocols. Right. And I'm thinking, yeah, because that would be a big disadvantage if you had to wear a mask <laughs> in a horse race. Yeah. Breathing would be a real pain in the you-know-what coming down the stretch. What's the difference between that and blinkers? You know, come on. You know, blinkers just, makes it so that you, 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 you just bring see. the blinkers down a little bit, and then you, you have the problem. Uh, I, I think breathing is a little bit more important than seeing the crowd yeah. and the people that you, might freak you out. You blinkers so? help. Yeah. I don't think wearing a mask for a horse would. Yeah. You ever see the blinkers uh, fall down over the horse's mouth before, Marco? I I have not seen that happen. That would not be good. Marco D'Angelo joins us from Wager Talk. Also, horse owner extraordinaire. Love tapping into him for all of these uh, races, especially these big races. We got one tomorrow, the Preakness Stakes at Pimlico, the second leg of horse racing's triple crown. All right, so who is live of some of the newcomers here? And we always get newcomers when uh, when the Preakness comes. Yeah. Well, the, the horse that you have to look at is Concert Tour, start right. with him, the second Baffert horse, which, in all honesty, is probably the better Baffert horse than Medina Spirit. Mm-hmm. They skipped the Derby because the horse uh, raced hard in the Arkansas Derby, finished third, and I really think it took a lot out of the horse because he was in a speed duel the entire race with Cotto River, uh, the Brad Cox horse, and the two horses ran each other out of the race. He faded to finish third, and they elected to skip the derby and point to the Preakness, which is a better distance for him. Interesting, though, they made a jockey switch here, and I've looked everywhere to try to find what the story is, and nobody has said, but Joel Rosario is not on concert tour and he's ridden the horse in every one of his starts owners might not have been a little happy with him getting in that speed duel last time because it really cost them a trip to the derby he is going to be on a different horse in this race the seven horse which is a complete mystery horse coming from uh europe coming back over here to race 
they're shipping this horse across the pond. They think they got a chance. You're not going to spend all that money shipping the horse over here to race in the Preakness. And he gets Rosario to ride, who did ride him once over there uh, whenever they raced in Egypt, the big race over there. So that's the the mystery horse that I absolutely don't know what to do with the seven horse. A horse that I do like a lot as a newcomer is number four, a Crowded Trade. Now, this is a horse that I think is going to be sitting fourth or fifth throughout the race. He'll be right off of Concert Tours back. I think you're going to see Medina Spirit on the front end. You're going to see Midnight Bourbon go with him. I think you're going to have orders from Bob Baffert to Mike Smith, don't get in a speed duel with my other horse. They're going to sit just behind the two leaders, and that's going to give Concert Tour first run at the top of the stretch at Midnight Bourbon and Medina Spirit. As those two are battling, whoever wins that first battle between Medina Spirit and Midnight Bourbon then is going to have to hold off Concert Tour. And as those two horses battle, I think you're going to see Crowded Trade coming off the back of Concert Tour and could pull the upset. I like concert tour to win this race but i like number four uh crowded trade as my long shot horse 10 to 1 on the morning line and keep me in mind as well for those uh exotics right right <laughs> so interesting we know concert tour you know again come came in with a lot of hype won four to five races and like i said kind of a a dud down the stretch in that arkansas derby where he was he, he was passed uh, you know, by really a, a, a middling horse, um, you know, in, in that Arkansas Derby. So then with the Rosario situation, how much of a factor really is that if you're thinking about betting Concert Tour? Because I'm telling you, I was actually thinking that's the horse that I, that, that I want to back. But now hearing that about Rosario, you know, makes me think, okay, maybe I should stay away from this. How much of a factor, this, especially to just the novice, you know, players out there about having a, a jockey who's been on you for every start, all five of those starts, and now he's off in, in probably your biggest race of your career. Yeah, these horses, and you're getting a very experienced driver in Mike Smith. These guys, yeah. I guarantee you Mike Smith has worked the horse in the morning, and, you know, Baffert will give them all of the instructions that they need. Mike Smith will be a little bit less aggressive, and that is what this horse needs. If Concert Tour would have been in the Derby, he would have been one of the favorites in the race, even though he finished third in his last race. He'd have certainly been a shorter price than Medina Spirit. Ab- oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. and I still think he is the horse to beat. And remember, he's had the extra two weeks to refresh from that race. It, it was just suicide, the two horses going the way they went at each other in the Arkansas Derby, and it set the race up for, I think it was Superstock that uh, won the race. And for a horse, once a horse is passed like that, they know they're beat, okay? And sometimes they just, you know, they they give it up uh, after that once they're passed in the lane like that. So I'm not concerned about him fading the way he did, uh, and he's trained well leading up to this race. So all indications are that he is good to go. It's just that that question of did they take Rosario off or did Rosario pick the other horse? And I just can't see mm-hmm. any scenario where Rosario would have picked himself off the horse and take the horse coming in from Europe. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that the owners weren't happy with that ride. Mm-hmm. I've got four horses that I've kind of zeroed in on. You just hit one of them in concert tour. So I want to ask you and break it down. This horse has a shot, has no shot. Lead me to the window one way or the other. Steer me towards the window, Marco, or or away. All right, and you touched a little bit about Midnight Bourbon. Uh, again, Midnight Bourbon is a horse that I think has a, is a good shot here. Absolutely has a good shot, and it's going to depend on how much of a battle him and Medina Spirit go at each other uh, because it you know they're not going to let Medina Spirit dictate the pace again. Uh, that's going to be a situation. And if you remember going into the Derby, we talked about Rock Your World. Rock Your World had that same kind of trip in the Santa Anita Derby. Got left alone on the lead because nobody thought that horse could go. In fact, it was the horse's first uh, start on dart. That was a horse that raced his first couple starts on uh, grass. So they said, there's no way this horse is going to go. And they let him go soft fractions, and the horse just kept getting stronger and stronger. That won't happen here. But I do like uh, Midnight Bourbon. You go back to the road to the Kentucky Derby. He raced through the fairgrounds circuit on the races, and I thought that that was the toughest of the 
horses that were in those races. They were competitive. There was three prep races. There were three different winners in those races. They all took turns beating each other. I like Midnight Bourbon. You have to use that horse in your tickets. All right. Five to one. And uh, I read Ortiz Jr. And I know Double V likes Midnight Bourbon as well, too. So, to drink it or to bet it? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he wins, then you get a bottle and you celebrate with it. <laughs> Rombauer, 12 to 1. That is a horse that I will use on the end of the exotics. Okay. That horse raced good in his last race, but if you go back and watch that race, never left the wood. That horse got a, a perfect trip along the rail. I like to call it a suck-along mile. Hmm. He was four or five lengths behind the two winners the whole race and never left the wood. Nobody passed him. So, yes, he raced good, but it wasn't as good as it looked because he, he traveled the least amount distance-wise uh, as far as the race went. Flavian Pratt on him as well, too. Thoughts about him? I love Flavian Pratt. This yeah. is one of, He is the best jockey, in my opinion, on the West Coast. Uh, he dominates Santa Anita and Del Mar every year. Uh, people that you know, everybody, it's the old bias, same way in football with the, the football rankings and such. The West Coast people don't, you know, they don't get their due because they don't see them as much as the East Coast uh, jocks. But he is very good. That is an upgrade as far as jockey. Yeah, and when it comes to him as a jockey, too, he'd be one of those kind of guys, no matter what track he's in, once he gets his, uh, you know, his contacts and everything and gets with the trainers and that, he would be one of the candidates or one of the people challenging for the the lead rider in pretty much any track in the country, probably the world. Yep. Okay. Always got to consider a Todd uh, Pletcher horse, right? Uh, unbridled honor, 15 to 1, coming out of the 8-hole. Thoughts on... On this horse? The only way I see this horse hitting the ticket is if we do get those suicide fractions that, you know, Mm. we talked about. He's a horse like Keep Me In Mind that does close uh, late in the race and could pick up some pieces, you know, a small price. But Mm. I would only see him at best finishing third or fourth. What type of horse really suits this track at Pimlico for this race? Speed is always good at Pimlico. You've got those tight turns at Pimlico. Going into that first uh, turn, you want to have position. You don't want to get caught wide. Uh, So, obviously, the horses that can leave the gate or have tactical speed to leave and cross over right away. If you look at the program, the one horse and the two horse, they have no gate speed, okay, especially the two. So, Medina Spirit's going to bust out of the gate and get to the rail right away. Uh, Midnight Bourbon will do the same out of the five-hole. Concert Tour from the outside will be able to leave in the fact that I don't think he's going to challenge for the lead because those two horses will leave so fast, and the one and two don't have gate speed. Concert Tour will be able to leave from the outside and do a left-hand turn and decide where he wants to be sitting third. He'll be third, but does he want to be at the rail? Does he want to be in a two-path, or does he want to be in a three-path? Mike Smith will be able to dictate what he wants with the horse. You know, we talked about the game planning and how the race was going to break down before the derby, and obviously it all went to hell out of the gate because nothing happened the way you thought it was going to do, and there's 20 horses there. The fact that it's a 10-horse field, which isn't small, but it's not gigantic either, especially for a really quality stakes race like this. The fact that everybody kind of knows how it's going to break or they have their idea of how what's going to happen with maybe the exception, like you mentioned, with the mystery horse coming in from Europe. What do the jockeys do and what do the trainers do to make sure that you don't have the suicide fractions and you do run the race you're on that, okay, if it's Midnight Bourbon and Medina Spirit, yeah, they're going to be on the lead, but you still got to pull them back a little. And, you know, if, if one wants to just go hell-bent and get out there, does the other one just go, okay, if you want to kill yourself, fine, but I'm not going to get in the speed door where we, where we both get past coming down the stretch? You, the jockeys have to make – you have a game plan going in, but you can't have it set in stone. If things happen, if you break poorly, whatever, you have to make adjustments. You can break from the gate, and those two horses can go out there. And as you said, you don't want to have a speed duel. But – Horses sometimes have a mind of their own, and they don't want you, the term that we use is you want to get the horse to rate or relax. It means the same thing. You want the horse not to be going full bore the whole time. You want them to save energy. Sometimes they won't. And if you try too hard to fight with the horse and you're pulling on the reins to try to get him to slow down a little bit and he's fighting with you, you're using more energy than just letting him go. Yeah, you're burning him yeah. out by not burning him out. Right, because <laughs> the two of you are fighting a battle of yourself 
jockey and horse instead of horse versus horse. Mm -hmm. So they got to make adjustments and hopefully they'll be able to do it. One thing that I will say, which, you know, a lot of people talked about it going into the Derby and it was a good point because we had all these COVID protocols and we didn't have fans in the stands. That was the first race for these young horses to run with crowds in you had all those people at the Kentucky Derby. Everybody's excited, screaming, and then when the gate opens, you have that big That's why we had bumper cars right. coming out of the Now they've had they've experienced that. They've had the crowd noise. Yeah, there'll be people at Pimlico, but it's not going to be as loud as it was at the Derby and they've already experienced it. So I don't think we'll have the problems at the gate that we had in the Derby. All right, Marco D'Angelo talking Preakness Stakes taking place tomorrow. Horse racing's second jewel of the Triple Crown. Medina Spirit in the race after winning the Kentucky Derby. At least, you know, he beat all the horses, but will he still be the winner? Well, 13 days later, he's still the winner, but who knows what's going to happen uh, with that. Well, we know if you had a ticket on him, you're the winner regardless exactly. of what they do from this G- point on. Can't take so that back. from the betting standpoint, that's all that most of them care about. <laughs> so we talk a lot about the derby, the anticipation, the unknown, you know, all these young three-year-olds, and the big field. Is this race tomorrow, the Preakness, because of only 10 horses, and we're a little bit more familiar with the three horses that are returning, is it an easier race to handicap than the derby? For me, yes, in um, historically, the Preakness, I'll give you two uh, bullet points for the Preakness. One, they run, the horses that ran in the Derby generally come back and run well again in the Preakness. But in this one, we only have three coming back, but we have the winner in the sixth and seventh place. Right. We don't have all those horses that ran right. second, yeah. third, fourth, and fifth. So that's one difference. But even though we have form in the Preakness, there's always been a double-digit horse hit the ticket. And the reason for that is, in most instances, the Kentucky Derby horse gets overbet, and then that makes other horses, their odds go up. Mm. We might not have that this time. Marco, give me a prediction. How does this race unfold? Who do you got? And we've got pen and paper ready. Let's go. Number 10, Concert Tour. Uh, Number 5, Midnight Bourbon. Number three, Medina Spirit. And number four, Crowded Trade. And Crowded Trade is my long shot horse. I will have that horse on top as well on some tickets so I can get a bomber. I want to ask you one other quick question because you just mentioned the fact that Medina Spirit might not be overbet like we see so many derby horses. Do you think he'll go off as the favorite? Because it's it's really strange. Usually the derby horse, even if he's not overbet, is usually still the favorite. He might not even be the favorite from his trainer. No. Concert Tour <laughs> will go off the favorite. Mm. And, my and what kind of odds for Medina Spirit, we think? I think time? Medina Spirit floats up to uh, 9 to 5, mm. maybe 5 to 2 tops. All right. Great stuff. Marco D'Angelo. Wager talk. And uh, I like to say our horse racing guru. All right. Mark, you're free to hang around a little bit if you want, man. It's up to you. I can hang in a little bit. Uh, all right. Talk a little bit more of the Preakness Stakes coming your way. All right. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, our good friend Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We'll talk a little NBA play-in tournament. We'll get his thoughts on the Preakness Stakes as well. We are live from Sunset Station on this Friday. T.C. Martin, Ballpark slash VGK Frank in the house here. And you, of course, T.C. Martin Show on a fabulous Friday.